Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, it is Wednesday, and that means it's Dr. Judy Jasek Day. I know it's hard to change, Dr. Jasek Gray. People are like, wait, yeah. that was Friday. Yeah, yeah, but things change. I mean, can you believe how fast things are changing in the world? And I'm not sure it's for the better. Ugh. Geez, I, I'm I'm quite certain it's not for the well. I guess there's some things that are slowly starting to change for the better, but I think the big picture, uh, not so pretty. But I have to say, I kind of like being on Hump Day. It just, you know, yeah, I, I like the change. Yeah, yeah, right in the middle of the week. <laughs> right in the middle of the week, give everybody a boost. Get everybody a little fired up. You know, right? a little ammunition. They go out there and talk to people. You know, you know, you need a little boost middle of the week. So yeah, uh, that's good. Awesome. Well, listen, um, we've got uh, Dr. Judy Jasek ready to take your calls. The telemarketing doc is still around. She can still help you with a second opinion and cancer diagnosis. You know what? I just can't get over, Dr. Jasek, how many cancer dogs or itchy dogs we see on a continuous basis. And I was thinking about this last night. You know, as we're learning more and more about the truth about the safety and efficacy of vaccines, how we are learning how one thing is put in place or another thing is put in play. And I was thinking, I thought, all right, I see so many itchy dogs and cancer dogs. Um, What's the common denominator? And there's always a common denominator. Um, and I thought, what if these rabies shots were designed to make dogs itch <laughs> so that then we could give them side up on our apple And so I started going down this rabbit hole in my mind. And I started thinking, I need to find out who is the manufacturer, which I think Merck is one of them of the rabies vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then who is the producer of Cytopoint or Apoquil? Right. I don't know. Mm. That's where my mind was going. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a really good point. And, you know, these companies are tricky because, you know, like you said, there's way more money in keeping pets sick than in keeping them healthy. You know, it's it's the return visits um, that that make money for the, the vet clinics and if they can keep, you know, it's just so easy. They just start pets on these drugs or on these injections to help with the itchy skin. And they just say, well, this is what your pet's going to need to be on for the rest of its life. And it works because it helps the symptoms. So people just keep coming back for for it and then they get cancer and then they have, and then they have more stuff to treat. But these companies are sneaky. You know, there's these big corporate conglomerates and, you know, they don't want people to catch on to the fact that they may all be in cahoots. Like you were saying, Oh, let's sell vaccines, create all this itchy skin or autoimmune disease or even worse cancer. And 
and keep the pet sick. And then this, you know, our, our company division over here can, um, can sell the drugs to treat what the vaccines are producing. So they changed their names. They, they split off. It's, um, you know, companies have done that to get out of, uh, like lawsuits and stuff. They will change their name, create another division, change the name. And then, then it changes the, they, they can't go after like that new company. Cause there's, cause there's no history. And I bet they're doing that. I bet they're doing that. There's just big corporate conglomerates. I think it's just all one big corporation myself just running this and, and they present as separate companies, but I bet they're uh, underneath. They're just all in cahoots and they're just all about money. Nothing about, nothing about health. And you know, it's, it's really sad too. I'm, I'm seeing, not only do we see tons of cancer, but younger and younger. I just started working with a client. They have a a golden retriever that's only like three and a half years old, diagnosed with lymphoma. So young, so young and really sad. And what was that vaccine history on that dog? Oh, well, conventional puppy shots, you know. I mean, I think people realize that, or you know, that vaccines might be a contributing factor, but usually by the time, you know, I'm talking to them, that's, it's, you know, the damage has been done. And I would say it's rare for me to talk to like a new cancer patient that has not had the traditional vaccine protocols. Like most of them are current. I ask, cause I asked that question, you know, what's the vaccine history. And sometimes I do, I get, there's a few that I'll, I'll talk to that, um, have not done all the vaccines or they've backed off. And, and then, you know, I, I feel like there's just, there has to be some other sort of toxicity in that pet's environment that led to the cancer, but by far the majority, I mean, probably 98% have been on a full vaccine schedule and then people, you know, get a wake up call and they kind of start to figure it out. Or sometimes people will say, well, I got to feeling I shouldn't have done those vaccines, but then they tell you it's necessary and I can't get care without it. And, you know, I understand it's, it's a dilemma for people, but I'm more and more of the point of view that we, we have to be pushing back and each individual going into a clinic that requires vaccines, you have to start pushing back. I mean, it, it has to be done there on the ground level because there's nothing like we can do on like say a platform like this, we can get this information out and educate people. But we really aren't doing anything to change what the clinics are doing. That has to happen on the ground level. And it's people pushing back, going in the door, taking your business elsewhere, presenting veterinarians with these. We talked about the Practice Act in in Colorado last week where you know, uh, veterinarians are supposed to be giving informed consent, not just doing this one size fits all, shoot all the pets up with these vaccines. They're not even following their own practice acts, con- acts con- confront veterinarians with that. And I bet most of them haven't even, haven't even read that stuff. So, you know, you got to start pushing back or I tell you, I'm seeing all these ads for all these new vaccines. There's an mRNA rabies coming out now. And I think We've seen a lot of vaccine-related illness to this point. I think it's going to get way worse and way more serious. Yeah. You know, I, I was watching an interview with Aaron Siri, and Aaron Siri is um, an attorney 
for those who are injured by vaccines. And he works for the nonprofit or with the nonprofit, I can, uh, informed consent with Dell Bigtree. One of the most fascinating interviews, and I probably will tape it and put it here on the podcast, but he was really giving you um, a very good look and actual information about this industry. And and he said, you know, he was always told that vaccines were safe, right? He was like, Mm -hmm. they're safe and effective. And he said this, if a product is safe, why do you need to give the manufacturer essentially immunity uh, to liability for the injuries that that product causes if it is safe? And what he pointed out, he said, look, you may not like torque attorneys or class action um, attorneys. He said, but those attorneys are necessary in the world because if you have the ability to sue, you cause the companies that are making those products to make them safer. But if you give them total immunity, right? Um, and he said, and and look at this business model. He said, you have a vaccine. You can't be sued for harms. You have a guaranteed market because either the pets or the kids are required to get it. And your health agencies promote it for you and defend against any harm. He said, what a business model, right? You have a guaranteed income. You cannot be sued. And one of the things that he pointed out, he said, well, let me ask you this, Dr. Jasek. You know that all of our newborns, right? Um, Mm -hmm. They just come into the world and they are required to get a hepatitis B shot. How many kids do you think were ever in the safety monitoring uh, uh, trial? Give a guess. Uh, I'm guessing not very many, like maybe a hundred. Yep. 147. How many days do you think that they monitored this? The adverse reactions. We're going to pump it into your body and we're going to wait and see if something happens. And then we're going to call it safe. How many days do you think uh, would would be required to see if something was safe? Well, if you wanted to make sure that you missed most of their reactions, then definitely less than a month. How about five days? Jeez. Five days. So you have 147 kids that were in this study, they monitored them for five days. So let's just say the adverse events started at 10 days. We, they call it safe and effective. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. frightening. And, and he was just, you know, talking about, um, you know, natural immunity, that it is a thing, right? How did the world, you know, survive? Uh, before all of this and it's just but but just the whole business model and really opening up people's eyes to what we have been told about safe and effective and in the second part of this he was talking about how they were they were trying to get the information that they needed to get and what did these agencies do 
you know, because you can go out with a FOIA, right? And and a formal where you um, these attorneys ask for the information they're supposed to get it. They actually took all this information about COVID-19 and they buried it in other entities where now they mm. cannot get it. So the question is, if something is safe and effective, why do you need total immunity? Okay. And why do you hide the information? Right. It's, this is scary, right? Yeah. But but we just go along and we say, okay, sure, it's safe and effective. How do you know it's safe and effective? Have you ever looked at the information? And there are, um, and I'll put this out. He he gave a website. It's actually the FDA's website where you can go and look at every a lot of these you know, former vaccines that we've used for a long time, like hep C or whatever. And I'm sure that the rabies vaccine is in there. And then we'll actually show you how long the test have lasted and what kind of test. And, you know, if, so you can see, you're like, that's not what I thought. Right. And, and I mean, because if you looked at this, I would, can you imagine, I don't have a child, uh, but I would not subject my child to the hepatitis B. And yet I've talked to, um, like our daughter, you know, who, who had, she said, they treated you a lot like the, the people who were unvaccinated um, in, in the hospital. Like you're a horrible mother if you don't give this to your child. Right. The guilt, yet, the guilt is so powerful. Right. And the other part that they uh, showed with this is the increased autoimmune, the increased autism, the, and it was like 50%. It wasn't a small amount. Right. And so you start looking at these dogs and, and the itchy dogs, right. We have such an epidemic of itchy dogs and they'll put them on raw. They'll, you know, give them the right baths. They take all the crappy products out of the home. And this dog is still miserable and itchy. And some of them, they do revert to Apoquil or Cytopoint. And like you said, then we've got a bigger issue on our hand, right? The cancer. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very concerning. And it's something that, again, we just go along and do. And I don't think that we realize that we have the right to push back. Yes, depending on a, a personality, you may not want to push back, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be consequences. Right. For not pushing back. Right. right. Imagine, you know, if you're hesitant to push back, you know, how are you going to feel if your pet has cancer and it it ended up being due to these vaccines? You know, I mean, think about it as you by pushing back, you could literally be saving your pet's life. And by the way, there's no like viruses out there waiting to attack your pet. I mean, this whole like fear propaganda that, oh my gosh, you know, I hear this from people sometimes, oh, I've been told I can't put my puppy on the ground to their four months old because their immune system is too weak and they have to be fully vaccinated. Then, then they're safe that like vaccines create this just shield of safety. And it's not true. They're just making pets sicker and sicker and sicker. And, and, you know, I, we just, 
we we have to stop. I mean, I think they I think these early puppy vaccines sometimes just cause permanent disruptions to the immune system. So why we some some dogs this itchy skin it is the toughest thing to to treat because it's like every set of circumstances that contribute to why a certain individual is itching it's different and it's it's really hard to sort out and 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 I think that the early vaccines are so disruptive to just the natural immunity that that we were really what we're doing is we have to re-educate the, the immune system. We have to sort of wake it up and get it doing what, you know, mother nature intended for it to do in the first place, like identify friend or foe, something foreign comes into the body and then it reacts against that and eliminates it. But what the vaccines seem to do is just disrupt that whole process. So the, the body doesn't know what's friend or foe anymore. It just kind of, reacts to everything or reacts to all sorts of things in the environment and and they get they end up with uh, like leaky gut and so they get these food molecules into their bloodstream before they're completely broken down and you know we have this chronic gut inflammation there's just so many pieces of that puzzle and when i see and i see this a lot young dogs under a year 8 to 10 months old itching like mad of course of course that's the of course, that's the vaccines, right? I mean, I mean, what else is going to cause a young dog like that to just itch like mad? They haven't even been in the world long enough to really develop quote unquote allergies. It's it it has to be due to the to the vaccines. And then some of these poor dogs end up with more serious autoimmune conditions because of the vaccines. And then they're put on all these immunosuppressive drugs, they're going to just, then their adrenals are not going to develop normally. Their thyroid's not going to, you know, like a six or eight month old puppy, these systems in the body are still developing and you put them on all these heavy duty drugs because they now have autoimmune disease. They don't have a chance for normal development. And you're just, they're going to have chronic illness. They, They just can't not. And sometimes we just, we can't get these pets a hundred percent, we can help them, but we can't get them a hundred percent because their normal body functions have been so disrupted. So you, you just, you have to not do the vaccines in the first place or minimize them. But I, I, I'm more convinced than ever that vaccines do way more harm than good. Well, in this talk, he was saying this, he said, the vaccine manufacturers we're going to have to stop producing vaccines because they couldn't make a profit because the amount of liability they had to pay exceeded the revenue. So what happened? Well, Reagan back in the eighties gave them immunity, total Mm -hmm. immunity. And this is where the problem started. Everybody started jumping in. You know, they started putting all types of things in them uh, in in those vaccines because, I mean, why not? It's okay. You don't. You you've got total immunity. And and here's what he said. He has some some um, pretty big lawsuits against the vaccine manufacturers right now. And he said, but if they prevail in five to ten years, what's going to happen is it will reset the normal health 
baseline. It will reset the normal health baseline. For example, heart issues and cardiovascular issues. Those would just be normal. Mm-hmm. Right? It, the, normal. Normal because you put something in there that caused problems. Yeah. Well, it's just like the with the pilots. You know, they changed the requirements for the EKG on commercial pilots. I mean, they watch these people like, like crazy. You know, they're, they have to be in optimal health and they're getting, they get physicals a couple times a year because they've got a lot of people's lives in their, in their hands. You know, if they're up there flying one of these big commercial jets, well, you know, they required them to be vaccinated. And so many of them were having heart issues that they couldn't keep enough pilots staffed to fly the airplane. So what did they do? Like you're just saying, they changed the, they changed the normal. So now they're allowing pilots with heart abnormalities to to fly. They changed the specifications for the the uh, measurements on the EKG so that now pilots with potential myocarditis can fly. How scary is that? That makes me never want to get in an airplane again. And that's what they do. They just change the parameters. They've done this for a long time. You know, they're not selling enough blood pressure medication. Oh, let's say, you know, I I went through this with my mom when she was alive, they kept lowering the the quote unquote normal. So she kept, you know, having to be on, you know, or was recommended she was on more and more meds because they keep, they change the parameters. It's, it's really scary. And yeah, why would you take anything from a company with complete immunity? Like that's a big red flag to begin with. I mean, I, I would never, like if, if, if a company had no repercussions for a product they put out, what's their motivation to, to produce it, you know, carefully and ethically? I mean, none, they can just push it out and, you know, um, even, even the, even the, um, like the, some of the pharmaceuticals that they can get sued for and that they end up having to pull off the market. They don't care because they sell so much of some of these drugs and they make so much money that having to pull it off the market and pay a fine, it's just the cost of doing business. They make billions, you know, that they make 40 billion selling a drug and they got to pay 2 billion in, in a fine because it, it's killing people. Well, they just made 38 billion. They're good. And that's how these companies look at it. It's, it's, really horrific to think about it but that is what's going on yeah yeah and and you can't you can't even sue um the vaccine manufacturers if if you if you're pat um you cannot sue the 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 manufacturers you have to go in and sue um the your your secretary of health and human services did you know that you have yeah, to I, I did know that that you couldn't yeah I knew you couldn't sue them um directly yeah yeah so you have to sue your secretary of health and human services and um there's no way that a everyday parent a normal everyday parent is going to be able to do that and it costs a lot of money <laughs> there's a lot of red tape and you don't even know how to do it so it it's very very um important that we understand what the risk and the rewards are, right? You have to know what you're up against and then decide. In this in this interview, he said, look, 
I don't have a problem with people. Uh, if they want to inject themselves with all of the stuff in the world, that's fine. What he has a problem with is being mandated to do that against our will. We've seen that in the dogs for a long time, mm-hmm. right? You can't uh, board them here. You can't have them groomed. You can't be in this training facility. Your dog can't do any of that stuff unless they are vaccinated. A lot of therapy dogs, right? Um all of that. So how is that any different? And and we have not even looked into that, why that is happening. Where's the control group that said this is not an issue, right? Okay. And as you've said, the only one that has a law attached to it is the rabies vaccine. And there's not even a law as you you're working on something right now that you're going to send out Dr. Jasek and it's about that that law right that people don't mm-hmm. really understand what can you tell us that again what that law is in regards to clinics and the rabies vaccine yeah so the practice act in Colorado actually says that you know where they recognize vaccines may be an an important part of pet health care that vaccines should also be chosen um, on an individual basis, taking into account where the pets live, what their risk of exposure is, what their current health concerns are, um, and, and that it vaccines should be given with full informed consent at going over the pros and cons of giving the vaccine for each individual animal. It should not be this one size fits all. The clinic just says, oh, you know, we'll only see pets that that have been vaccinated and like getting them vaccinated is a requirement before they even can come in the clinic or they'll even be seen by the doctor. Well, then if that pet's sick or has something else going on and that vaccine could potentially make it worse, they're not even making that determination. So at least here in Colorado, they are going against the actual practice act by doing that. And as far as rabies goes, I've actually read like the the rabies, the recommendation for rabies is just to follow the vaccine makers um, recommendations. There's no actual law that your pet has to have rabies. It's it's considered a general recommendation, but it it isn't an actual law. Law being that you can't go to jail if you don't get your, you know, pet or a rabies shot, you know, they might, the county might fine you or something because it's a, it's a rule of the county or city that you live in. So you might get a fine, but it's not an actual law. And that means there is room to, to push back, you know, if it's not, if it's not safe for your pet um, or, or, you know, maybe you could do uh titer testing where you can get, uh, check the antibodies levels and make sure that you're or show, you can show that your pets have that protection. They have some protection against these diseases and maybe that will hold some weight. Um, But, you know, boy, you got to start, you have to start pushing back and and advocating for your pets. And this actually gives you some ammunition to do that because you can go into your veterinarian that's requiring this and saying, hey, did did you, do you know what the practice act says that you're supposed to give me full informed consent and go over the pros and cons and let's, let's pull out that package insert. You know, I actually pulled out the package insert 
on the, the rabies vaccine that I have used. And it actually says in there that the rabies has been shown to cause fibrosarcoma, which is a malignant tumor in cats. We've known this for decades. And you know what the recommendation was? Well, let's not, don't give the rabies shot in cats up above uh, the shoulders, kind of at the back of the neck. That's where we get a lot of injections because if they get one of these fibrosarcomas, it grows down into the tissue and gets in around the spine and everything. And there's really nothing you can do. Let's give the rabies in the back leg because then if they get one of these, we can amputate the leg. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was the actual recommendation of American Association of Feline Practitioners. This was decades ago. So They've admitted, they have verified that the rabies causes these tumors in cats. I mean, how safe do you think it is for dogs? You know, like, why are we giving, so so we're giving a known carcinogen to our pets. You know, I mean, come on, that's just a no brainer. We should not be doing this. So in this um, interview, he was talking about um, information that they've gone back and looked at. And there was a study out of the University of Jackson, the Department of Epidemiology. And um, they had homeschooled kids and it was based on parental surveys, okay? And he said, you know, he gives a lot of credit to the scientist who did it because it was extremely brave for him to put out the study and publish the results. And the results were this, Um the children who had been vaccinated had 30 times the rate of rhinitis compared to kids had no vaccines. And he said, you know, there were more kids that had chicken pox who had never been vaccinated. Right. And there were more kids that had, um, what was the other one that he said, whatever these diseases are that are sort of transient, right. They come and they go and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. But he said what they what they found was that the other kids had diseases that were chronic and for a lifetime. So mm-hmm. it's not that if you don't vaccinate your puppy that they might not get something. But is it life threatening? Is it going to be chronic? Is it going to cause these chronic itching and these tumors and all this kind of stuff? Right. And I think what happens is, is that. It, because we have been so trained that you have to have a toxin in your body to be healthy, mm-hmm. that um, the first sign of sickness, we might run back to the box, the old box and say, oh, no, I need to now get, you know, all of these vaccines. And I, I will say that Dr. Cooney has said, yes, they do no sods for the parvo. And have they had some puppies that have died of parvo? Yes, they have. But they have seen the incident of parvo greatly, greatly, greatly decrease when not giving the actual parvo shot. So I think, you know, again, it's it's up to the pet parents to do the research, to look at what they might have to deal with down the road and what we see on a consistent basis. It's not as if we see one or two dogs, Dr. Jacek, that have these issues. We see them over and over and over and over again. Right. You know, and, and the thing about some of these, these these diseases is that if if we just stop vaccinated, stop vaccinating for something like parvo, would some puppies get it and some puppies succumb to it? 
Yes, because there's always going to be disease and our, our pets are always going to be susceptible to certain things. And sometimes young animals die and that's very tragic. But I believe that what would happen is, first of all, parvo is in the majority of cases treatable. It's not it's not always life-threatening. They get very, very sick and they often need to be hospitalized and, and get fluids. They just get extremely dehydrated because of the vomiting and diarrhea. But but many puppies will survive it. The ones they don't, they those are probably weaker individuals, have a weaker immune system. And so we'll eliminate the individuals that are susceptible to getting it. The others are going to survive it with a much stronger immunity against it, a healthy immunity against it, that then they can then pass on to, you know, their progeny for those, those individuals that are say being bred. And then we're going to create over time, stronger and stronger and stronger genetics. And then pretty soon it won't even be an issue because we've, we've built the population of dogs to be strong and to be able to to fight it off. Now we are just creating years of chronic illness in our pets. And it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, you might say, well, I'd rather risk, you know, an an itchy dog than dying of parvo. Well, you know, when that itchy dog is keeping you up night after night after night, and your dog is miserable because it can't stop scratching, you know, you, you, you might think differently about that. And then again, the drugs that they get put on, just lead to to worse conditions like cancer and further disruption of the immune system. So I think you have to look big pic- picture. What's the what's the better alternative? I mean, I think building strong genetics in the long term going forward. You know, we we actually see this because I know some breeders that have, um, you know, that are feed raw and minimally vaccinate. And over the generations, their puppies, because if they're out third and fourth generation of eating raw and minimally or not vaccinating, those individuals just get healthier and healthier and healthier. So we can see that. But it does take a few generations to to make that change. But, you know, the place to start is to just start backing off on the vaccines now and the, in the industry, the veterinary industry is going the other direction. They're recommending more and more and more. So it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty scary. And it's, it's really sad for our pets. Is there a reporting system of where pet parents can actually go and report um, these medical adverse effects? You can go back to the company um, and like they'll pay, like if you can verify, that's the thing. You have to verify that it was the vaccine. So if a dog starts itching, you know, two months after its last vaccination, the company might say, well, that's not a reaction to our vaccine. They will pay for medical bills. If your pet, you know, has like an immediate reaction and the veterinary clinic will verify that it, that it was due to the vaccine, the companies will will like pay medical bills on your pet. Um, but that's, you know, that's about it. And that's if they determine that it's, it was due to the vaccine. Well, I can tell you that that's always diverted. Always yeah. over to, you know, um, yeah. 
you know, in, in human vaccines, I actually had a vet that worked with me um, a number of years ago, had a, a child, her daughter was vaccine injured by the MMR vaccine. And she she fought it and she did end up getting a, a settlement. There is a vaccine court. And, you know, there's a there's a certain amount of money for every vaccine that's sold that goes into this fund for these cases. So, if, you know, you can't directly sue the company, but you can go back through, you know, like you said, there's this other avenue you can go back through if you can verify that, you know, that your child was vaccine injured. And she did go through that process. And she told me, she, and her attorney actually told her that, um, she was given the money. She got the settlement to shut her up because she was very outspoken and she, she was pissed. Obviously, I mean, her daughter was perfectly healthy, had this vaccine, could and then ended up not being able to walk or speak or anything. I mean, she needed twenty four seven care, and she got this settlement. But her attorney told her, "You got to be quiet about this," because she was ready to just, you know, become a real strong activist and you know um, talk about this stuff and he said they'll pull your money if you do that so it was kind of like yeah to just shut her they just paid her off to to shut her up so they have money set aside to manage people like that it's it's such it's such a scam yeah in this interview he said you know covid has been an incredible revolution in that it made many people look at vaccines for the first time that they saw the clinical trials happen. They saw the coercion, they saw the rollout and the, they saw how uh, science on natural immunity was being mocked. Right. Mm -hmm. So people are now actually paying attention and that the scientists and the people who take issue with these products are actually coming out and speaking. And, you know, he's saying, it, 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 again, if we don't do something now, we don't take a stand now, then the new normal is going to be for a very sick population, a very sick population, sicker than it is now. It's certainly for our pets, right? Uh, he was saying it, it, it's just going to be this new normal. And it, it, it's so, it's, it's just, it's so much money, right? And, and you look at things like, why isn't a company like Purina, Dr. Jasek, with all that money, billions, why are they having to recall a product due to vitamin D toxicity? Yeah, I saw that. Right. It doesn't, it, it, you know, that is a Nestle Purina pet care company. A pet care company? How is it? that we have a vitamin D toxicity. Well, first of all, let's don't put synthetics in our dogs. Again, the narrative is so strong that you cannot get vitamins and minerals out of real food. It's so strong, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, that's the whole complete and balanced thing, right? It's not people have been so indoctrinated to believe that a diet is not complete and balanced Unless it, you know, has the AFCO meets the AFCO standards on the label, and you have this nice list of nutrients that are all synthetic, but that has nothing to do with nutritional balance. And you know, on this vitamin D thing, why aren't that just tells you right there they are not checking. 
they are, as I have, I thought the exact same thing. They're putting these synthetic nutrients in and, you know, that what, however they do that is probably all automated. Something got goofed up. Somebody programmed in the wrong amount or something. And it ended up with too much vitamin D in, in the food. But that also goes to tell you, they're not checking their batches. They're not checking to make sure that the foods that come off the line have correct, or at least not toxic levels of some of these nutrients. So uh, what else could go wrong there, right? They could have too little or too much of any of these nutrients because it's just all automated putting chemicals into the food. I was talking to somebody um, this week who their dog was on wellness, wellness Mm -hmm. core. I said, and this dog was having issues. I said, well, let's take a look at those ingredients. Well, I mean, they're a mile long. So I'm not sure, you know, that it's it's got um, deboned turkey, turkey meal, chicken meal. And then we go, and then that then it goes into all the peas, the potatoes, uh, the flaxseed, the tomato pomas, the chicken fat, and then uh, salmon oil, chicken flavor, and then supplements. And I, I guarantee you that the supplement list on here is so is is, is got to be 40 40 of them and and so the the thought is well look how good it is it has all this stuff and i don't know i'm hoping that through this podcast we can help people understand that if you have to add all that then it's pretty much cardboard coming out of the extruders that has no yeah. nutritional value at all and if we're going to keep the pets even somewhat alive we've got to add all that stuff to it now how much of that is really being used in the body yeah. is, a, is another question right right and if you know we were talking about all these these pets with and and the dangers of the vaccines well we're going to stand a much better chance of helping them through that especially these young dogs because they still have a lot of vitality, their bodies are still growing and changing. And I think we stand a much better chance in those pets of of helping them with things like itchy skin and not turning into a chronic illness if we have them on a good diet. If you're not supporting them nutritionally, you don't have any chance. And especially if you're feeding a diet like these kibble diets that are uh, these processed carbohydrates that are so inflammatory to begin with, and and you're going to try to treat itchy skin I mean, you know, you may as well just go buy the Apoquil because you aren't going to have, not that I ever recommend Apoquil, but, you know, you're not going to have luck, any luck resolving those issues with the dog if you don't change the diet and get them off of these, all these synthetic nutrients. I mean, if you can't pronounce, read, read your labels, read the ingredients. And if you don't know with 100% certainty, which each, each ingredient is, and for goodness sakes, if you can't even pronounce it and you don't even don't give it to your pet, like you're just, it's, you know, I, I would consider them toxic at that point because you're just giving them a bunch of chemicals. Well, and then, you know, a thing that we hear uh, often, people are on a raw diet and then all of a sudden their dog has diarrhea and they think that the whatever the chicken or something is causing the issue and yet i was talking to someone the other day and it's these damn toppers right Mm -hmm. they put the toppers on top of the raw food 
And when we go through the toppers, again, we've got these long list of ingredients. So I'm not certain how, unless it's just repeating this over and over and over again, how we help people to not be so afraid of raw. This is, you know, if anything gets blamed, it's always the raw. And so, for instance, there was a a gentleman who, um, and he he does a, a great job doing rotation, but his dog had diarrhea. Um, well, he said he was vomiting and had diarrhea and bloody diarrhea. Okay. So he took, and I don't know the, the amount of days, but he said he took the dog to the vet and the vet said the dog was fine. But to be on the safe side, he was going to throw away all the chicken. <laughs> and I said, okay. You know, and, and he asked the question, do you have dogs getting sick from, you know, the chicken blends? No, we don't. And, but, you know, once we do the investigative work, we always, Dr. Jasek, I mean, 99 times out of a hundred, we find that either there's a processed food in there, there's a topper in there, there's a very cheap, inappropriate supplement, or we've got a mm-hmm. list of the pharmaceuticals that have just gone in. And for some reason, that tends to b- bother some pet parents. They're like, well, then you're saying it's never your food. And I'm saying if you just fed the food without all this other stuff, would you have the problem? And you've got to make, you've got to be able to, I said, okay, was there fever? Was there a fecal? Was there, you know, if all of these are fine, how how can we say it was some mysterious bacteria that was causing the illness when that topper was without any um, looking at how they finagle the numbers, it was almost 20% sugar. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, and I get it. They'd been doing the toppers and the raw for a long time. And um, but I think that people want to do the toppers because they feel like it gives them some extra vitamins and minerals. But yeah, you know, and 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 I'm gonna say yes, but it's a very different product. It has a lot of stuff in it, flavorings, you know, a lot of these different plant proteins has sugar in it, has to to make it stick together. So you you really kind of have to look at everything that we're doing, but the fear, right, of bacteria in raw is prevalent. And yet, those are the healthiest dogs we see. Oh, yeah. By far. You know, I wanted to make a comment about those toppers, too. When you have any food, or in this would include treats or kibble diets or any of them that have all these like synthetic ingredients or things like flavors or vague in- ingredients, you know, corn, gluten meal and you know, who, who, who even knows what, what that is, but there's no guarantee that, that these ingredients are staying the same. They can change out these ingredients. So when people say, well, my dog's been on this for, you know, for years and has never had a problem before it probably, and actually in most times is not the same product that you were feeding years ago, because they can, 
they can switch out those ingredients and not even have to change their label because some of these, um, the, the names like flavors and things like that, that's so nondescript. You don't even really know what they're putting in there and they can switch out ingredients. They could be giving, you know, or putting something completely different in that diet that wasn't there before that your dog could now be reacting to. So they're not necessarily the same, even if it's, you know, the same, same company, same food line, um, the ingredients could be different. Have you ever seen it? The, it's called flavors. It's for dogs, flavors, food toppers. Um, and they've got these red meat recipe. They've got the chicken recipe. They've got all these different, and they actually look like something you would put on your meat to go out and barbecue, right? They've actually got a peanut butter flavor, Dr. Jasek. So that you can put these on the crappy food that your dog doesn't want to eat and make them eat it. So in this um, peanut butter flavor, um, you know, it's got uh, roasted peanuts and dehydrated sweet potato. Now, nothing says um, something's coming out of my sphincter very fast like that. <laughs> I'm going to shoot this right out of my sphincter. I mean, and here's another one. White cheddar cheese. What? What is going on? Yeah. White cheddar cheese. I'm going to give my dog a white cheddar cheese flavored topper. Ooh. Makes yeah. Sense. And it's just flavored. Like what's in and what's in a flavoring? And why do we, we, we we've talked about this before too why do we have to flavor a healthy meat-based species appropriate diet? The, the dog should eat it like crazy, which is what most dogs do. The, the toppers and all that, you know, it's marketing to the people for, for whatever reason people, I, and I've had a lot of people say that too. They just feel like they just need something besides just the meat, you know, like they just need, like they, I think, I think my dogs like to have like a little crunch. They just like to have a little crunch something like your dog told you that, like, how do you know that? Give him a bone. How about a duck head? How about a duck foot? Oh, but <laughs> right? those have those heads. They have eyes. Dee. Those are scary. Don't look at me while I'm meeting you. That's right. <laughs> right. I get it. Don't look at me. Like I was feeding duck heads today and I have to cut up a duck head for Asta. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, yeah, you got to cut his little head up. I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. He's not yeah. alive anymore. He sacrificed his body for our good nutrition. And we honor that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the, you've got to be very careful about that. Um, but again, it's, it's just, it's people, in real raw. So I see the explosion of the HPP. I see the explosion mm -hmm. of the sterile foods. Why? Because people do understand that kibble is crap. They mm -hmm. get it. They don't have any trust in these companies and you shouldn't. Um, you know, the big Nestle's, the Purina, all these guys. But I, 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 my, my nephew who's out in Phoenix, uh, you know, right now we're doing this thing with his dogs, his two dogs. These one's a German and one's a little something, right? Little and nothing. Eats four ounces a day. Both of these dogs have been on fresh pet. They look terrible. Mm -hmm. 
So I contacted him this morning before the podcast. I said, how we doing? You know, it's been about four days. He said, oh my gosh, you know, they're already looking better. Their poops are amazing and they're already looking better. So I'm like, what is in that fresh pet? I should say what's not in it. I know. And you, like, you look at the ingredients and most of the ingredients are kind of decent. But if you look at the food, it looks like a bologna roll or something. It doesn't even look real. So I don't know what they're, I mean, they're definitely sneaking stuff in there. And I don't, I don't see pets do well on that food either. They, they do a, they do some really great marketing with that food though, because they make it sound great and the ingredients aren't terrible on the label, but I mean, just look at the food. I mean, you know, people complain about like what your food looks like. I mean, it, at least it looks like real food. And does it stink? Yeah, because tripe stinks sometimes if you're feeding tripe. Like, I, I I can't stand the smell. Like, I feed some Wolf Run Plus to my dog. As, like, I open up that container, it's like, oh, holy smokes, that stuff's disgusting. I don't know how he could possibly eat this. But he loves it. He loves it. Because my dog's 16 and a half and still eating it raw. Yeah, chicken and tripe. Chicken and tripe, it's smelly anything with tripe. But my dogs, there's not one blend my dogs don't like, right? And I don't know whether it's my energy. I, who knows? I mean, I, I've never had a dog that said, I don't like it, right? Not going to eat it. Um, because you just put it down and you say, this is what you're eating and you don't eat this. I guess you're going to be hungry. Well, they about knocked me down to put down the bowl, <laughs> right? Lazi's like, you know, you know, in the rodeos, how the cowboys, they, you know, they rope the, they, they do the um, jump off the horse and they go down and, and rope the little calf and do their feet mm-hmm. and the hands go up in the air. It's like, shaboom, that's two seconds, right? She just, she just gobbled down, you know, like a pound of food in two seconds, like we're gone. Yeah. You know? And uh, so, yeah, I mean, all dogs are different and, and I don't know why, but I will say this, that even if in raw, Dr. Jasek, it's not as red as it was the time before oxidation, right? There is some oxidation that happens. Um, There are blends that have veggies in it. So it can change the colors throughout the season. uh, Animals are eating different things in different parts of the country, depending on whether there's snow or whether they're eating hay or whether they're eating silage or whether they're eating grass or, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, I, there's this concept. Well, it didn't look, exactly like I thought it should look. So I thought it was dangerous. And I, I've never had that be the case. Right. We know uh, you you go into your grocery store. I don't go into the typical grocery stores very often, but I remember when my mom was still alive and I used to take her shopping and we'd go over to um, King Supers and I'd look at the meat and we buy meat from like actually online, like, natural grass-fed and all that and when you look at the grocery case at like your typical grocery store it doesn't even look real to me it looks like it's an abnormal color and you know why that is because they add coloring to it so they make it all look the same so i think people get used to that meat should all have this consistent color should all look the same they make it that way in the grocery store because that's what they think people want to see in nature like you were saying it's going to vary with the age of the animal, the the breed of the animal, what what the animal's been been eating, you know, seasonal differences, all of those things. It's biology is is not consistent like that. It it varies with the 
environmental conditions. When you see complete uniformity, that's not natural. That's not a natural food. That's artificial coloring along with the artificial flavors. And this is the way that our beliefs can cause us to do things that are actually not as healthy as something else, right? So take Farmer's Dog, right? So they had a huge uh, advertisement in the Super Bowl. Can you imagine how much that cost them? Well, you you know why they can pay it. I mean, they're part of the big conglomerates, but it's cooked food, right? It's cooked Mm -hmm. food. It's sterile, right? You're going to have to add stuff back in it because it's cooked, but it looks beautiful. No. If you know what annoys me, really annoys me about that, so many people, they must just have this tremendous advertising campaign out because I I talk to more and more and more people that are feeding farmer's dog, but you go online to try to find out what's in it and you got to like sign up for their programs. That's always a big red flag to me. If you can't find ingredients, if you've got to be, you know, spend five minutes digging into a website to find the ingredients in a food, that's a problem in my book because the ethical companies, the good companies like yours, Ingredients right out there, right out there, front and center. You don't have to go digging or looking. They're they're right there. They're proud of their ingredients. These companies that like hide their ingredients or they'll just say certain things like, you know, it has, you know, fresh meat in it and healthy vegetables and, you know, just vague statements like that. But to actually drill down and to read the actual ingredient list, I mean, sometimes that takes a lot of digging. And there's companies like Open Farm that you can't find it. And I have to ask clients, like, will you send me the ingredients in the food that you're feeding? Because you can't go online and find them. That's a huge red flag. Oh, yeah. And then we don't even know what they are. So it's like, oh, well, I guess it's okay. But I think what you have to do is experiment for yourself, right? So like my nephew, who's had these dogs mm-hmm. on a certain food and he he was another one of those itchy Germans, right? It, very skinny, does not look good, doesn't look healthy at all. And now, you know, we're going to get a unbiased. And you would think that, Dr. Jacek, as long as I have been feeding raw, that my entire family would have been feeding raw um, as long as well. Not the case, right? So, um, you know, my brother's lab, we switched over. He's probably been on Raw now um, three years, saw amazing results. And now they're like, you know, one of the big gurus out there, you know, spreading the word. And then my mom probably, you know, she's probably been doing it the longest in, in the family, you know, probably, I don't know, seven or eight years. But, you know, nobody, I guess you can't be a coach in your own family. Right. No, nobody has been in my family has been doing it as long as I have. Right. And um, so it's just it's just funny, even when you're really close to somebody who knows a lot about it, who's had a lot of experience, who actually has a company doing it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know anything. Well, and and that. So I, it takes a while for people to see the value in something, right? You have to have an issue, a little pain. Mm-hmm. So my brother's lab was just, you know, regurgitating water, just like spewing water out. They, she would hmm. eat this kibble and then just like, Bleh. I mean, and she, and they thought that was normal. And I was like, you guys, this is not normal. Why would, that's not normal. 
and she's fat. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's, uh, and she looked terrible, you know, and she's a, she's a duck dog. And now here she is 10 years old and still going out there and hunting like a five-year-old, right? Because we changed that entire diet. But again, if, if, if you're, you know, feeding your dog, something and you kind of get you get used to them not looking great let's just say that mm-hmm. you get right. used to them looking and, fat. and they look like and they look they don't look great and they but they look like all the other dogs at the dog park so you figure that that's normal I, I can't tell you how many people come in and say is my dog too thin because you know people tell me my dog's too thin and they're like a nice lean body mass because they're, they're eating raw and they're lean, but people are just used to seeing overweight dogs. So they think a dog where you can see the outline of the ribcage is too skinny. That's what they're supposed to look like. Right. If you saw Neely's corgis versus what you typically see a corgi look like, you would be like, they're too skinny, but they're not too skinny. They're perfect the way that a lean dog should look. But we are so used to seeing that breed. Well, all these breeds, right? They just are way too heavy. Mm-hmm. And if you have a dog that, you know, has any kind of joint pain, you, you get them off the kibble, but then, you know, slim them down, allow them to not carry around so much weight. And yes, dogs are dogs. And most of them are going to want food 24-7, right? I, I mean, at some point, I should just do a little experiment. And see how much food Flossie would eat. Right? <laughs> so but, she burst. <laughs> right? And I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I didn't want to do that. But, uh, you know. But anyway, uh, you guys get over and see Dr. Jasek uh, via Zoom. Because she's still Zooming around the country. Mm-hmm. She can. Zooming. Right? You're still Zooming. People hear us from all over the places. And um, get those um, results that you have over to her. She can, as I say, a first step, your first step to health is a second opinion. Get a second opinion. Maybe it's a third. I don't know. Maybe it's your very first one. I hope. I hope that you have a new puppy and that you sign up with Dr. Jasek and get the lowdown on how to keep your puppy healthy, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, we we, we want to save you some money in the long run, save you some heartache, uh, and certainly I, I just feel for these dogs who can't say I'm itching out the wazoo. I'm miserable. Right. Help yeah. me. Help me. Yeah. And we can help you navigate, you know, the system out there. You know, people are reaching out to us to saying, Hey, how do I get care for my pets? Because I can't seem to find it without getting them vaccinated. And, you know, I can, I can help you with, you know, natural treatments, first of all, for your pets, but also if they just need to go in, um, you know, I can help give you a little ammunition and maybe some things to say and help coach you through that a little bit, give you, let, let you know that you're not crazy for, you know, not wanting to vaccinate your pets and, you know, help give you a little, uh, encouragement to get out there and push back. Yeah. Yes, we can. So get over to ahavet.com, ahavet.com. See Dr. Jasek uh, via Zoom or on the phone and get your dogs on a species appropriate diet. If your dog doesn't look as good as it should or as good as it could, or it's not healing because maybe it, you know, you're doing the cooked diets uh, or you're still on kibble, give raw dog food and company a try. 
Let's get your dogs on a species-appropriate diet for at least six weeks. And you be the judge. See if their disposition, see if their body, see if their hair, see if their eyes doesn't look better. Get over to rawdogfoodandco.com where your pet's health is our business and friends don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.